Apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Home Mortgage, an equal housing lender. American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Annie Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 2011280L. Call for additional details. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Following Flames podcast. I'm Robbie McCluskey here with my co-host Joe Aguirre. I wanted to say that if you like what you're hearing, uh, we've got social media that we'll talk a little bit more about later on. And uh, we'd love if you would uh, give us a little bit of a good review, share it with your friends, or just hit us with a like. Um, Joe, hey, how's it going today? How are you doing this week? Aces. Just things are going aces. Looking up, I'm having a great start to my week already. No, you know, it's funny. I actually got a phone call uh, earlier today from my doctor. I went and got blood work a couple of days ago, and the woman called and was like, hey, I'm calling from the nurse, you know, from the doctor's office. Give me a call as soon as you get this. So I said to my wife, I'm like, is that normal? And she was like, no, they like have something to tell you. And so I called up, and this woman like hemmed and hawed for like five minutes to, just to tell me that uh, my cholesterol's high, which... I was already quite aware of. Well, maybe she's the kind of person who takes everything way worse than it ever is. So she's like, oh, my God, this is this is bombshell information. Yeah. When she told me, I was like, oh, I'm like, I thought I was going to die for a minute. You know, like made me nervous. I hate people that can't deliver bad news. Yeah, but people that are uncomfortable delivering bad news are a lot better than people that deliver bad news in the wrong type of way like that literal doctor in arrested development all right when uh, buster lost his hand he was going to be all right that was hilarious that's the we lost doctor him. i want yeah. <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly he's the only doctor in the entire hospital yeah look i just I, I, when i got so panicky also i called up and at first they were like no i don't think anybody called you and i was like they just called three minutes ago calling right back 
I get panicky no matter what as if somebody leaves a voicemail. Because then it sounds like it's either something that's going to be important or something that's adding to my schedule. Yeah, that's fair. It's either one or the other. Mm-hmm. And, and I a lot of the time, those. and it's also even worse because when it's in, when it's a, a hospital or something, you got to call them back because they can't say it over the phone. So it's just like, oh, my God, <sighs> I don't know if it's good or bad news, but I've got to be on my tiptoes until I get her on the phone. Well, how and often do they call And then you're dealing the with the person news. that doesn't know how to deliver the bad news. Yeah. But again, how often do they call up and like, hey, just wanted to tell you those tests aced them. You're the picture of health. Well, I mean, they could even say it like that if they come into it and call you like, hey, you're looking pretty healthy, but, you know, eat some more Cheerios or make some oatmeal in the morning. Oh, this is funny, too. Um, I I've come up with, you know, how I told you I had some weird covid brain moments, forgot where I was going, driving my car, stuff like that. When you had COVID or just being in a trance during COVID? No. So after I had COVID, um, I had a couple instances where, and it's been, it's just kind of been happening where I've just been a little more forgetful than normal. Yeah. I, I do smoke marijuana. So, you know, short-term memory maybe isn't, isn't the best, but this is just a basic function. I was driving somewhere uh, very specific and I ended up 20 minutes in the opposite direction before it dawned on me anyway i mentioned it to my i, I don't know if i told also i told you this i have this uh pakistani american doctor she's a female um muslim best doctor i've ever had yeah just just love her to death uh i tell her everything she knows everything that i do everything i think my leisurely activities the I'm location the of every individual blood cell yeah, it's important because I'm getting older now and I'm really, you know, for years I lied to my doctors and they didn't know what they were dealing with, Robbie. Yeah. You know, that's not fair. Do you drink? Do you smoke? No, never. You know, why would I say that? I don't know. I, over, I tend to over exaggerate just so I drop the bomb and then I ease the blow. Just to make it sound like you're cooler. Oh, yeah. I do a lot of drugs, drink a lot, and I have sex with a lot of women. Mm-hmm. They're like, Unprotected are you serious? With a lot of married like, women. No, no, I'm not. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I want to take my my health uh more serious, and so yeah, I I tell this this woman everything, and uh, she said, um, I might have a B12 deficiency that that would explain some of my absent mindedness, and I was like, how do you get a B12 deficiency? And she was like, well, it's very common in vegans. And no joke. And mind you, she had like a resident intern working with her. It was a very cute blonde. And she mm. said, she said, you know, the thing about the vegan. And I went, well, I'm no vegan. And she goes, oh, I know that. Which I thought was hilarious. The doctor but, said that? Or, or yeah. like the intern? No, the doctor said that. And then the intern said, because I've lost, get this, I've lost 21 pounds since last December. I'm working on 20 pounds since the, since the beginning of the year. So good good for us yeah resident doctor said to me is that on purpose because i don't know if you know this and she probably learned this in medical school that men's weight flock men can drop 30 pounds no problem also tack on 30 no sweat um you know you eat right for a couple weeks and you're right back in the saddle that's just sort of how it works for men which is why mm -hmm. women secretly hate us for that you, you don't me, know that it's... yet 
it's just eat a bunch of junk food and then get tired of junk food for a long enough period of time to lose the weight from said junk food. Yeah, I also told my doctor that much like my dentist, two weeks out, I floss every day. And they, when I get there, say, someone's been flossing. And I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. I told my doctor, I'm like, two weeks out, like, I'm not eating ice cream at night. You know, I'm making better health choices just because you're looming large in my life. Yep. You know, so you're getting the picture of health me. I'm going to see you eventually. Yeah. You know, um, and so that's the way I've always operated. But yeah, so get they called me today too, uh, a second phone call after the first phone call. And this one, the band-aid came right off. Uh, I was like, hey, and she was like, hey, this is Nurse Molly again. You're also B12 deficient. We want you to get on a B12 vitamin like ASAP, 10,000 milligrams or whatever. And then that was it. And I hung up. And I thought. And she's just bawling her eyes out the entire yeah. time being like, I'm so <laughs> sorry, Mr. Aguirre. I really, the second one was bad. I was just like, hey, listen. And so, dude, here's the, here's the, this is hilarious, right? She goes, um, did you lose that weight on purpose? And I said, no. Uh, and she said, no change in diet. And I was like, no. And then I thought about it. Yes. My wife went on a diet like three months ago, right? Some plan, her friend like does it or whatever. And we've been eating a lot more salad, a lot more vegetables and a lot mm -hmm. less meat. Just less meat in general, because we're eating more salads and, and, you know, walnuts and feta cheese and salad, some weird stuff, but, um, filling up on low calories. Yeah. I think that's what did it. I literally gave myself a B12 deficiency because my wife wants to lose a couple of LBs. Oh yeah. Cutting out the meat. Yeah. I was going to ask where, where vitamin B typically is, because I mean, what, what I've heard a lot over the past couple of years is that a lot of people were vitamin D uh, deficient just because they were inside a lot more. Yeah. Um, I've never really let up on my meat intake, but I, I mean, guess just, I have I'm watching just like bacon shirt, like cutting it, like just level calorie. It's like calories in calories out that kind of mentality. So here's the other thing. My kids, uh, I would pick my son up from school. A kid would uh, literally wants Wendy's every day after school. He asks just a plain cheeseburger, nothing on it. Ew, what? I know he's learning. Believe me. He just transitioned from McDonald's to Wendy's, you know, yeah. he'll yeah. learn in, You know, he'll learn in time that you can do better than just a plain cheeseburger, but I'm he's not in a his big glory. Wendy's guy. Honestly, they don't put oh, enough no. like, ketchup or stuff on it. It's it's. I, I i'm almost always disappointed when i go i don't know if it's just wendy's has changed but i don't that's enjoy a shocking, it like i used to shocking statement i feel like wendy's hits the mark i feel like their food is done well huh fresh well i need to go to the wendy's that you're going to because obviously i'm hitting all the duds yeah that actually reminded me of something i wanted to talk about previously i was gonna ask like what companies do you think have been on such a harsh downward spiral more than anything since COVID started. And now that you bring up the Wendy's thing, I was thinking, cause the one that I noticed was Taco Bell. I mean, everyone's like super short staffed, but like Taco Bell holds a special place in my heart for no reason whatsoever. But everywhere I go, like there'll be like three cars in the drive-through line 
and it still takes like 45 minutes. And usually I would leave, but at that point, I'm just like, okay, I've been here way too long and I'm going to actually wait it out. Just I'm like, I know when I got here and I'm watching the clock now. I was at Taco Bell two hours ago and I sat in the line. It was just me. I you ordered... got there three hours ago, though. Oh, yeah. I'm not even doing it. I sat there for like 10 minutes at least. There's nobody else in line. Just me. Yep. I couldn't understand the long wait. I mean, what are you making that all from scratch? I appreciate if that's the effort you're putting in, but I don't think that's how it works. Yeah, that's what I'm. I mean, I, I'm not going to start. I, I never worked at a fast food place. I did retail instead. Instead, you know, those two options, retail or fast food when you're a kid. But um, I can't comprehend what takes so long. And if it like takes that long and then I get like a dried out tortilla wrap, I just start fuming. Well, that you know what the problem with that is? Because I sometimes I do my biggest complaint when I go to Wendy's and this has happened occasionally at Taco Bell is when you're cutting tomatoes. Cut that knot out in the middle. I don't I don't want to eat that. Oh, yeah. The, oh, the, that the knob spine. The mid- yeah. Why? I, I can't even tell you how many times I've gotten that slice on my uh, my my junior cheeseburger at Wendy's and that'll ruin it. It's the same thing with like jalapeno stems on Subway sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason for that. Care a little bit. You got to have a little heart when you're making this stuff. Yeah. It's like McDonald's apple slices doesn't have seeds in it. I mean, it's like, I get it's like very low, low tier food prep here, but learn what not to eat in a fruit and a veggie. Right. Come on. Like just, just, Again, I, I, listen, I'm not expecting miracles here. You know, I'm all right with fast food workers getting paid like a decent wage. But if you're if I'm going to support you and you're, you know, 14, 15 bucks an hour, make that thing like your Julia Child. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, put I would also complain. I would complain a lot less if it were still like if my Taco Bell order the uh, five layer burrito and a cheesy goodie to crunch, if that was still just like three dollars max as opposed to like eight dollars now then i'd be willing to complain actually i wouldn't complain at all because i'd just be like hey three dollars i got all this food yeah if it's three dollar quality i'm fine with it but now i'm like paying eight dollars when i do go let me tell you why let me tell you why that's a fallacy because when i was a kid minimum wage was five dollars and 25 cents an hour and a mcdonald's cheeseburger was 49 cents. Yep. And a hamburger was 39 cents. You could get a number one for a dollar ninety-nine. And so minimum like you know, the cop meal number one for a dollar ninety-nine. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Two cheeseburgers or fry and a drink. Now, um, minimum wage goes to ten dollars an hour. Those meals are like four or five bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that the price of the food went up way before the wages went up. Yeah. And I'm also sure that the food for McDonald's that you were eating when you were a kid is monumentally higher quality than what they're serving now. 
I don't know if you've ever heard of this story, but when I was a kid, somewhere in the late eighties, we heard about the pink slime. Oh, which is what they, I thought that was my time. Maybe they're just saying that maybe they're just introducing it to kids. Like at the same time, like they do sex ed. It's like, okay, fifth grade, maybe pink slime. We got these two things to really get into their head. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was any better. I do remember too, as a kid, somebody did that experiment where they left McDonald's food outside and the bugs just like went around it. <laughs> yep. That's got to tell you something about their food. Well, everybody knows if you leave McDonald's burgers outside long enough, they become those really mini gummy burgers that you can get at certain like corner stores. I could those- buy that. Yep. <laughs> They're about as chewy. <laughs> and i'm pretty sure mold doesn't really grow on any part of a mcdonald's burger yeah how is that possible oh i guess here's the other thing well i understand what it is i mean it's preservatives right but i'm eating that thing instantly right it's not a it's not a like like a can of fruit cocktail where i'm waiting for armageddon before i crack it open it's a burger why so many preservatives in it? You don't need to put that much preservative in something I'm going to eat in like the next four minutes. Yeah, I don't know. It's because the burger was made four years ago. That's probably what it is. Yeah. And frozen waiting for me to consume it. McDonald's agenda at one point was just we need to be able if the if the world ends, we need to be able to survive for another six years as a business. So they just started making burgers six. It's like a fine wine. They have to age their burgers before they can be used so they can last longer. And then they'll have a sell for every year. Yeah, perfect. By the way, I saw that Buzz Lightyear movie this weekend. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a good movie. I heard it's been I heard it. Well, I, I, I've heard an alternate view on it where. It's just not good compared to a lot of other Pixar movies because this one almost just has a kind of basic plot. Yeah. But also when you say Buzz Lightyear, like you're tapping into one of my biggest childhood icons. So I don't want just a basic plot from a Buzz Lightyear movie. And another thing to think about was that was essentially they made that movie as the movie that Andy saw with Buzz Lightyear that made him want the toy. So if it's, not amusing that it's like, why would he want that toy? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he would have been that jazzed up about it. I'll be honest. I I don't see it. And again, to try to write a movie. What year did that come out? 96 toy story. Yeah. Was that night? Yeah. Was it later? Was it whatever, I mean, whatever was, year that was? I was born in 94, but I thought it might have been a little bit later, but who knows? Whatever. Maybe was, 99. The movie that they wrote to the internet. The movie that they wrote for 2022 reflected society as we know it in 2022 and not society as we would have known it when Toy Story came out. Oh, yeah. True. Now, the lesbian kiss in question is not anywhere near as exciting as it should be. That's a shame. I was really hoping for a hot, steamy lesbian kiss in a Buzz right. Lightyear movie. Right, between cartoon. Right, yeah. No, it's literally like uh, 
his the other space the other big space ranger in the movie is a black character hawthorne is her name and she's a lesbian yep and whenever he leaves to try to get them off this planet they're stuck on uh he thinks he's gone for like four minutes and he's been gone like a decade or more oh yeah like the the gravity's impact on time like in uh interstellar I hey. love that. I love yeah. that that aspect of it. I favorite movie of all time that, that they did that. But he comes back another failure. They're going to do another mission. He goes back to his apartment, which is across from hers. She goes inside first. It's a girlfriend. Then it's uh, and it's just a quick introduction. Um, mm-hmm. But she has a baby, and then later she's older. And at one point, she takes her hand, and they just it's like a a pack. It's like just your mom and dad kissing. It's not anything. It's not anything that's going to turn your kid gay. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, it's not like some hot, mo- because again, dude, not to, not to, not to be dumb about it, but like, if it was some hot movie where like one chick grabbed the other one, it was just like, ah, but it's not anything like that. Do you think it's anyone very- would have had a problem with it? If it was like a kiss between her and like Mrs. Incredible. <laughs> that's funny. Just the one that everyone's just like, well, they made her unnaturally thick with 17 C's. Again, I can't understand how anybody, anybody on the planet just isn't fascinated by lesbians. I, I don't know. I also don't you know? think it would be as big a problem if she just like kissed a really tentacly alien race and just be like, oh. That's no Dude. problem with that because there's no that's so out of the realm of reality. They're not trying to push uh, anything on us at all. That's what Shatner used to do in the 70s, dude, on Star Trek. He was like hitting it with alien chicks. Mm-hmm. He didn't care, and nobody cared, you know. He had a you, little man who was thing with Aurora. Yeah, I'm telling you, dude, it's it's people are, are less weird about aliens than they are about race. Well, you totally could get away with that. Yeah, people are really uncomfortable with humans loving humans, but when they do it with aliens, it's just like, oh well. I mean, we need the we need to make a good sci-fi movie here, so you know, there's a couple boxes we got to check. Total side note, but um, on the fourth of July, I get a text message from uh, the guy that produces my show when I do that conservative radio, yep. and it was a screenshot of uh, 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 the uh, One America Network OAN. On the fourth, uh, yeah. on the fourth of July, they were running a story about the real, the real enemy, uh, aliens from outer space. And I texted them back, and I'm like, "Those people hate aliens of any sort. It doesn't matter really where you're from; they're gonna get you." No, you outer know? space just refers to outside the the continental United States of America. Yes, it's outside the Jesus zone. <laughs> Outside of, Jesus. Outside, Jesus outside of Jesus, Jesus is homeland. Zone. Yeah, Jesus is homeland, Texas. <laughs> He's like, no, man, I'm an Alabama boy. Yeah, I'm sure th- there's a Nazareth in the South, isn't there? Like, are you saying Nazareth equivalent, like a place of worship, or an actual place called Nazareth? I think there's an actual place called Nazareth, but if you're looking for an equivalent, I guess you could make the argument for Graceland. Well, if there's a sandwich, New Hampshire, I'm pretty sure there could be a Nazareth somewhere in the United States. Well, there is a Nazareth. You got like 43 Springfields. Yeah, there is a Nazareth in Pennsylvania. 
Okay. That is a real thing. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. I don't know why. Pennsylvania just seems like if someone gave me like a really weird name and be like, guess what state it's in? I'd be like, Pennsylvania's weird enough for its size. They probably got they probably got that place there. Because they got Philadelphia, a very uh, a city that needs no introduction or explanation. Uh, you got Pittsburgh, which is kind of like wonderful compared to how it used to be. And then you've got Amish country and then who knows what else. It is a very diverse state. Yeah. Yes, it is. Apparently. Apparently. By the way, you were born in 94. Toy Story came out when you were one. 95. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. To- great year for movies as well. That's crazy to think that that came out in 95. I also saw a really funny meme about um, the moon landing and people saying that it was CGI and then it's a graphic of what CGI in 1985 looked like. Yeah, I actually watched uh, I, I check out the YouTube series uh, VFX artists react and they did like an entire episode debunking stuff about the moon landing and they were like just one video or one clip that had the the rover going uh, either it, it was either coming back towards the main ship or going closer to the moon and they were like for this shot they would have had to have such a wide angle lens with an unbelievable amount of film just something it was just completely unrealistic like impossible it, extremely difficult to use those materials now to get that shot and back then it was just completely impossible and then another one was just how the sand or how the moon dust reacts when it gets kicked because it usually stuff like that would billow with the air currents but on that it's just like it just kind of pushes yeah and let's just right back down yeah oh dude it's fascinating right again think about what that would cost to have to make that you know they 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 couldn't even especially because One more big thing uh, that they highlighted was the fact that any mountains in the distance are completely clear. Like the lines, there's no haze in between them. Like air creates visual distortion with like humidity or clouds. And so eventually when you're looking farther and farther out in the mountain range, then you've got a lot of um, haziness blocking things the farther they are kind of like blocking the light but on the moon there's just nothing there there's no atmosphere so you can see the same detail in the mountains super far away as you can to the ones that are super close speaking of did you see um about a week or so ago the they found a double impact crater on the moon some sort of rocket crashed into the moon and no country on earth is taking credit for it and they're like well where did this come from I did not hear about that, but when you started yeah. saying when you started saying that, I was just picturing people at like NASA being like, "It looks like somebody's Willie, Willie Nelson. Is that you? Yeah. Wait a minute, what's that up in the sky? Yeah, oh, that's that's just a little prick. Yeah, dude, imagine uh, either some country was just roguely playing around with rockets, or this rocket of sorts came from somewhere else." And crashed on the moon. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. Which, I mean, which Robbie too would suggest that it was coming here. Because I think I said in the first episode, this isn't a planet that would stick out anywhere. 
it's one of the smaller planets and it's r much closer to the sun than the big boys. Yeah, but I'd be curious about how much light is actually visible from this planet. Like. To just identify some sort of difference than every other body in space. We're completely lit up. Dude, do this planet know, is lit. Yeah, but do you know, you know how they say you could see um, the Great Wall of China from outer space? Yeah. That's false. You cannot. You can't see that at all. You can't see anything on Earth in any kind of detail from the moon because it's a tremendous uh, length of time and space away from uh where you would be so well, you maybe can't, not you, from the moon but from outer space you know there's there's some uh there's some wiggle room at at the what constitutes as the first bit of outer space that's the reason why many, they were they were uh like kind of shitting on uh virgin galactic when they did their first like zero gravity rocket uh adventure like a, a year a year ago and then um, Jeff Bezos was like, yeah, you guys didn't even technically go into outer space because you have to cross this threshold. And then they took their penis ship. It was honestly probably Jeff Bezos and then penis shaped ship that ran into the moon. But yeah. um, he took that ship up and they were like, oh, so we're the first like commercial flight in space. And then there's SpaceX, which is just like, hey, yeah, we're trying to actually do something here. Can you guys like clear the skies? Um. Yeah, I don't think any of them has really penetrated space. You no. know, they're we still kind of to Mars. They're still kind of rubbing outside the pants at this point. <laughs> they're doing that. Uh, what's the their uh, uh, what's it called? Like soaking. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing the <laughs> they're doing the Mormon thing with space. <laughs> That's pretty much what's going on here. Yeah, like everybody knows here. it doesn't count, but they're like, got it done. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't do it again. The 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 race, the race to launch Sirius and and XM radios, and the race to be the first one up, to me, is what I think led to them both being colossal failures. They, neither one was really ready to go, and it was a a race to get to space to see who's gonna have the first satellite radio station. And I'm telling mm -hmm. you. I think if one of them would have sat back and watched the other fail first, it would have saved jobs and money and maybe led to one of them actually figuring it out. Well, what was the problem? Was it just like cutting too many corners or trying to start something that they didn't actually have a successful product with? Well, so again, nobody knew how it was going to work. Nobody knew what the subscriptions were going to be like. When Howard Stern left terrestrial radio for satellite radio, First of all, they paid him in an incredible amount of stock options, which he immediately turned around and sold, yep. which more or less bankrupted the company right off the bat. They estimated he was going to bring over 14 plus million listeners, and it was like three and a half. It, it was bad. And, yeah. you know, even when they were giving away subscriptions, you know, and the price was down to, you know, 10 bucks a month people still weren't really coming over in droves um I feel they like spent most a lot of money on on rights to run races nascar was big on on that uh um, oh, yeah you know they had they had a bunch of different and, and so they um again in the race to get up and running be the first one going not the better one but just the first one 
Um, neither company was, I think, fully prepared for it. They obviously hadn't thought out the pay structure to Howard Stern uh, and it just completely blew up in their face. Around what year was this? 2000-ish. Okay, so Stern was on satellite during 9-11? No, he was on terrestrial radio on 9-11 because one of my buddies was actually auditioning for the show that day to replace Jackie Martling. And he made a couple of jokes because he didn't know that it was a terrorist attack. And after making a bunch of jokes and they figured out it was a terrorist attack, Stern told him he couldn't, he had to leave. Um, well, just, Stern, like right when the first plane hit, I remember I've, I've watched that a number of times just because I was like amazed by just the raw people calling in. And like, I mean, a lot of people might have been like what I guess would consider them pr like prematurely judgmental or racist it, like if if it happened today but they were like spot on like people calling in and i don't want to offend anybody like listening but i just remember a guy calling in being like it, it's total case he's like it's the effing it's the effing towel heads i swear to god nobody else is this messed up and uh i i'm not someone to like address people in such a derogatory way but just like the raw audio and stern even after the first plane hit like everyone else kind of went back to their um cheery or just, you know, typical uh, show personalities. And I was looking at Stern and he's just kind of sitting still listening, but it's like, you could see it in his face. He was just like thinking a lot because he was like, okay, this, like, this could be something crazy because I mean, I'm sure he knew obviously that planes don't like fly that low in New York or it was just something was up and you could tell he had a little bit of a, like in the back of his head suspicion on that. And then when the, when the second one hit, he was just like, yeah, Com completely what i was thinking oh well, i don't know if i ever told you this or not um i lived in south portland maine on 9 11 yep. and um this is a really bizarre story but um i was outside out back and i was very conservative then and i was having a conversation with this liberal newswoman and we were smoking cigarettes outside right across the street from the holiday inn express where mohammed atta was sleeping he would get a uh, board a flight from portland and fly into logan in the morning mm -hmm. uh and set off that chain of events but she and i were literally talking about our middle eastern policy and i said it was just a matter of time before a terrorist attack occurred in this country and the reason why i said that and i i mean i i knew who osama bin laden was uh before anybody else did uh, I was not mean to say anybody else, but before, um, you know, on nine yeah, like 11, the, the I, knew, I knew, I knew exactly who did it as soon as uh, I was actually in bed and I had fallen asleep with MSNBC on and my wife was watching it. And, um, I heard them talking about a plane crash and, and to be honest, a plane crashing into the world trade center isn't unheard of. It's usually Cessnas. It's little planes, people that don't yeah. want to fly. Uh, and they misunderstand airspace yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, I, a pitcher on the Yankees in 2004 actually would crash into the world trade and die. Uh, Corey Lytle. Um, so again, that kind of stuff, as soon as I heard the second plane hit, I jumped out of bed. I knew instantly it was Osama bin Laden. It was Al Qaeda. I had a friend killed, uh, in a suicide bombing in Jerusalem in 1995. Mm-hmm. 
So I took the war on terrorism very seriously in my life. And I had read a book in 1998 from John Miller, former FBI uh, agent turned ABC News reporter. And he actually interviewed Osama bin Laden uh, after the embassy bombings in Africa and was like, what's your deal? And Osama bin Laden was like, you know, we're going to destroy America is the plan. So, you know what I mean? It just was very, very in tune with that and and wasn't in the least bit surprised that it had finally happened. Uh, we had been very aggressive in the Middle East for a really long time. Mm -hmm. All through the 80s, we financed the Afghan war against Russia. And that was the Mujahideen. That was literally what turned into Al Qaeda. And, and we yep. trained Osama bin Laden. So yeah, again, yeah. if you were into Most that of stuff, if you were into that stuff, dude, Robbie, you you knew bin Laden and you knew what Al Qaeda was, and you knew about the coal bombing and, and the embassies in Africa. And you know, after Black Hawk Down in Somalia, uh, these groups were like, Oh, the US is bunch of pussies they're not gonna do anything it's amazing how many people that are like we're going to destroy america start out like in the eye of american politicians like oh they're gonna help america well uh saddam hussein yeah was trained in the united states and we financed him uh for eight years in the iraq iran war so iraq's iraq was our good buddy until they weren't yeah well i mean and now they are again I mean, Herbert Walker Bush was in Iraq originally as well. Like we like people in my ge my generation, like having been born in 1995, we don't have as good an understanding, especially because like growing up when you're learning American history, like the stuff that's happened even 30 years before you're born isn't really highlighted that much because they're like, oh, that's too modern. That's like modern history or stuff like that, um, except for the civil rights movement. But we really didn't have an understanding. I mean, my generation really didn't have an understanding until much later when we hear that, Oh, like this isn't anything new. Like there's been a, there was an attack or an attempted terrorist attack at the twin towers before um, 1993. Yeah. That a lot was of people didn't wanted. really know about like the terrorist uh, the plane hijacking at the Olympics and stuff that in 1993, uh, they, they blow up the world trade center and they had rented a U-Haul truck, which they loaded up with fertilizer and whatever else and made a bomb out of it. The FBI found a piece of the license plate in the rubble. And through this piece of metal, they were able to track down the registration number. They tracked down the rental place and they called the terrorists up, Robbie, who had reported the van is stolen. Oh. And U-Haul calls them up, and they're like, and they're working with the FBI, but they're like, oh, my God, you guys, say hey, great news. They found your van. It's been returned. Um, come back and pick up your $50 deposit. You're good to go. And they showed up oh to get God. their deposit back on the van, and that's what led to the arrests of the terrorists in 1993. And then here you go, 1995, this happened in... Um, the Philippines, but they were planning um, to fly 10 airplanes into the United States from the West Coast and the East Coast, and they were going to blow them up simultaneously over Boston, New York, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, L.A., Seattle, 
um, and just have whatever, you know, wreckage ended up on the ground and more damage to be done. Mm -hmm. They're in the Philippines. They're planning this thing out. And their bomb maker fucked up. This happened in Manila in the Philippines. And he, the FBI was literally watching these guys. And the whole fucking building exploded right in front of the FBI. And all of the terrorists in that plot died. Damn. Which I mean, I've heard why, of that happening plenty of times before. Just homemade bombs destroying yeah. the people making them. How hilarious is that? Which is why they ended up having the hijack planes because they didn't have another guy who was really good at making bombs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it wasn't too long. What year was that? 95, you said? That was 95. 95. It wasn't too long before that, actually. Um, just I'm, I'm big into uh, air travel and learning about different accidents. Um, but... Like it wasn't too long before where airplanes were actually classified as potential weapons of mass destruction because back in the sixties, people just kept hijacking planes and no, not even any of the passengers really cared because a lot of the time it was just people in Florida trying to get to Cuba. So until they started using them as like hostage situations or holding ransom or wanting to use them for just, you know, um, destruction without any like physical ran or a uh, fiscal ransom thrown into it yep. then that's when they started um really harping down on them as a potential weapon and it's amazing how i mean 9-11 came together but it's also kind of a shocker just because being in new hampshire like massachusetts like i fly out of logan all the time and it's just kind of weird to have that in the back of your head like a lot of those guys came through this airport um but it it it's it's uh yeah i mean air travel is a lot it's, it, and it's so fascinating because nowadays like people are completely okay with everything pretty much that has to go on i mean everyone like if somebody gets rowdy on an airplane and they get taken off everybody cheers yeah because that person's almost batshit crazy or out of their mind it's like hey you're on a plane but anywhere on the ground if that happens everyone else is just like yeah stand up for that person like they're not they're not going with the they're they're going against the law they're not taking authority on their mind they're like not they're not obeying and then it's like oh on a plane yeah we're gonna be stuck in the air if this person makes us go back it's like we hate them just because it finally affects us that's pretty funny yeah there there, there is definitely a different standard to air but i think again as a human being you know, I, I, I think some people are so accustomed and take for granted the idea of flying much like people your age take computers and smartphones for granted. You know, I just had the conversation with my son the other day trying to explain to him, like, I didn't play games on my phone because I didn't have one. There mm -hmm. wasn't one. There wasn't one to be had. You know, I had a handheld pinball game and I thought that was cool at my time. It was just like those the like the blank screens with the the actual layout of the pinball with like painted on in ink and then there would be like the dot that moved across it and you click it with a left or right button that was like one of my coolest toys when i was younger i had a handheld baseball game that literally was like dude the pitch would come dude 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 and you hit your swing button and you'd get either an out or it would tell you what the hit was and it was so dumb did it have that um, off brown plastic Yes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The off-brown plastic. Yeah, it was. It was. Again, I mean, if you like video games, and I did, 
there that there wasn't anything better than that, really. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. As far as like, I mean, uh, you played Nintendo or whatever, but if you wanted something to take on a trip, that was your option. There was no, you know, my dad's smartphone. That and it was also like stuff. the battery will last maybe like you got to bring. Well, with that, you probably had to bring extra like double A batteries. But yeah. my friend, my sister and I used to have a portable DVD player and we were like, oh, sweet. We can watch movies in the car because we don't have like early 2000s car TVs. And we watched like three quarters of Legally Blonde because the battery lasted only about an hour and a half and you couldn't charge it while it was still on. Like oh. that's the kind of technology. And that was right. also the time my sister got a, a pen. Uh, what was it like a Palm Pilot or something? It was like the early smartphone where with the with the little uh, the stylus that you could write, but you couldn't write an actual letter. You'd have to draw like the symbol that the Palm Pilot would recognize as the letter A. So it would be like it, none of the letters. It, it literally looked like a completely different language. But if your Palm Pilot ran out of battery 100 percent, like shut down because it had no more power, it would wipe the entire memory. So every time if your battery died in one of the original Palm Pilots and you turned it back on, you had to go through like all the setup stuff as well. So it was just the most ridiculous time for technology. It was like, oh, sweet. Look at my Palm Pilot. Look at my schedule in here. And then it died. And you're like, oh, I'm going to spend tomorrow putting my schedule back in this. Dude, there's nothing worse than having uh, to get a new phone at this point now because then yeah. I have to reset up the email and the Facebook, Instagram. I got to remember all the sign-ins and the passwords. And no, there there is oh. something worse. Getting a new phone number would be monumentally worse. I I yeah, I couldn't even. I, I've had the same phone number since 1997. I feel like it would be less stressful to get a new social security number than to get a new phone number. Yeah, oh, totally. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've had, I've, I've, I've actually been surprised at myself. I've had my number, the same number since, oh man, it must be like eighth grade now. You want, like, I got to, like, I got to relearn a new number as well. That's just like a complete mental switch. Yeah, that's terrible. I've also had the same bank account since 1994. Is that a good or a bad thing? I feel uh, like it's credit wise, that would be good, but it's not. been like six different banks, just one bank buying out the other one, but it's the same oh. account number. They just keep, abs- yeah, it's the, yeah. I mean, the banks I go to, it's the same building, but it's there always a different name. Just a new sign outside. Like, but yeah, but the same exact. Uh, number that I've had since my I opened the account in 1994. Could you imagine if they like every bit every bank that bought the smaller bank just put a slightly bigger sign above the previous one? Yeah, so like <laughs> their seventh <laughs> giant sign. I'm just thankful that none of them changed the freaking account number because that's another thing I wouldn't I wouldn't want to have to always be looking that stuff up. Or, or they like forced you to be like, Hey, we're shutting down the accounts, but like, we need to get in touch with you to, or it, it's just the, 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 the really emotional nurse back when she worked for banks, she was like, we have to make you a new account, Mr. Aguirre. I'm sorry. You're going to, you're going to have to call in so we can handle all the details. I can't do it over the phone. Oh my God, dude. The last bank I went to, 
it, it, what a disaster. Uh, there was like one woman who worked there who was like competent. And anytime I had to deal with anybody else, like shit show, just absolute. I, I And she left. This is my business, my business account, not the other one I was just talking about, but she left the bank. Yep. And I was like, oh, if you're leaving this bank, like I'm out. I'm not. I'm yeah. not staying, and and uh, I moved it. We did this. I, I did the same thing for a pharmacy once. Like I left CVS at one time to go over to the nearby Walgreens because our like favorite pharmacist left, and she was just the nicest person. So we were like, yeah, we really want to. I don't. I can't remember her name, but it was like we really want to see Angela again. So yeah, well, nothing go, wrong with going that. down the road. I like yeah. that. I would someone who know. Like I, I met her like twice, just going through the drive-through, picked up my stuff. And like four years later, she's like, I haven't seen you in a while. And I'm like, oh, my God, this woman is just an angel. Like, don't you love people that are good at their job? Mm hmm. I just like people that are considerate, like even if like good at your job, if like who can do their job well, yes. But people like that, that could be good at their job. But also like there's that other element where you're just you feel like a warm and happy feeling around someone like someone well, think, in, in just a I random business makes you is. feel comfortable. That's what yeah, makes good, somebody yeah. really good at their job. I think like you could, you like some people do their job and they do it yeah. well. Some people are really good at what they do. And again, and it then is, there's those next that little people. That's what it is. It's that. Uh, so, so it's funny. I only, I only bring this up because my wife was insulting me earlier. Uh, uh yeah i went and saw uh my my friend jared who is the co-host of throwing jabs mm -hmm. and she was like what are you guys gonna fight over uh, cry over some fights and uh, then she starts mocking me and she's like oh and he shows him how to fight and i was like oh you were paying attention i showed her a video clip of max holloway beating the bejesus out of brian ortega this happened like three years ago. Mm -hmm. Brian Ortega got beaten so badly in that fight. He was out for 18 months. He had a cracked orbital bone. It was, he was oh, a mess. God. He got destroyed. Max Holloway set the record for punches in a round and in a fight. Okay. At one point during the fight, like no joke, he's just hitting them with the left, right over and over again. And he reaches out and he, Max Holloway takes Brian Ortega's hands and he and he sets his hands up to defend, and then he throws to one two, and and Ortega for the first time in the night was able to block it. Yes, in the middle of a fight, Max Holloway showed Brian Ortega how to defend the punch that he was tagging him with for four rounds, and he, he wasn't like, just like so brain dead at that point. It was just him actually trying to be like, "This is what you're supposed to be doing right now." So Max Holloway is one of the greatest fighters in UFC yeah. history. His his name is his nickname is Blessed Max Blessed Holloway, and he's just that good of a guy. And it was beating Brian Ortega's ass so bad that I think just the sportsman in him was like, "No, dude, it's like this, this, and you'll stop it." And then he throws it again, and he gets the hands up, and it's like, "All right." I watch that and I cry because I think to myself. That's a level of excellence, Robbie, that not a lot of guys have. Yeah. Like Max Holloway is so good at that sport and is so good at his job that 
he could take it next level and literally help the guy out who he's beating his brains out. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's another level of the sport. It makes me misty eyed that he would do that. There's another great MMA story, again, one that makes me cry that my wife insults me about. But Khabib Nurmagomedov was fighting Justin Gaethje. And he likes Justin Gaethje. Nothing personal. We, we're, we're the highest ranked guys we got to fight. Yep. During the press conferences, Justin mentioned two things. Number one, his parents were going to be ringside. And number two, he would never tap out. You could break my arm, not tapping. During that fight, Nurmagomedov gets Gaethje to the ground and gets him into an arm bar instantly in the second round. And in the middle of throwing the arm bar in, which if you don't know what an arm bar is, basically if the person yeah, doesn't yeah. tap, you're going to snap their elbow. Mm-hmm. He uh, switched from the arm bar into a triangle choke. And Gaethje fell asleep, uh, and they stopped the fight. And uh, Derek Cormier recognized immediately that he had an easy armbar locked up and thought it was weird and, and, and followed him into the dressing room. And he was like, dude, he goes, what was that? It was a weird thing to do. And Khabib was like, you know, all week I heard Justin say he wouldn't tap. I knew his parents were in attendance, and I didn't want to. I want to break his arm in front of his parents mm-hmm. to do, to be at the, again, I understand Justin Gage is one of the top five lightweights in the world. The number one guy again in the moment had the sense and the ability and the ring IQ to be like, Oh, if I do this move, I want to break his arm. I better do this and switch to a different submission like mid thought. Mm-hmm. And and peacefully put the guy out. Like that's what I'm talking about. Those are and the like, real legends. Like that's the I mean, kind you, of you can probably toss means. out you can toss around names of people that just excel athletically for, for hours, but there's like the ex the exceptional people like that that go beyond it and add a mental aspect to it. And let me give you another th- this is an another uh element of my thought my wife kind of hates this argument but like when i was a kid robbie my favorite player in 1983 on the new york football giants was a kicker by the name of ali haji sheik he was a sunni muslim from iran he had kicked at the university of alabama and set ncaa records Mm -hmm. and uh i got his football card and i was eight years old thought the guy looked amazing ali haji sheik Sounded like royalty, you know, Muslim American didn't think, didn't think twice about it. Lawrence Taylor, Joe Morris, two of my favorite players, right? African-American didn't think anything about it. There's something about sports that sort of defies racism. And I think embark uh, like embarks like that human uh, that that American idea of like the melting pot and like just people coming together, like uh, you're a sports fan. There ever been a yeah, player? Yeah, well, I, I was, I was, I was going right? Like race, religion. Who I don't get. I've never cared about that stuff. I, if you're like a Muslim, whatever, can you kick the ball? I don't care. And 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 I, to my point is, is dude, in the middle of all the craziness of the last 
10 years that we've lived through, and Rush has been a big part of our business. Khabib Nurmagomedov is from Dagestan. He's a, a conservative Muslim Middle Eastern person, Russian. Mm -hmm. Like, if this was the 80s, bro, he would be, like, enemy number one. He'd be fighting Rocky Balboa. Instead, the guy's a legend, and every American loves the guy. I think it's also, when you say it, it kind of transcends race, racism, I, I think that's more on the, the spectator side of things. Um, because obviously, like, I think the spectator, the average uh, sports fan wants to see, I mean, a lot of people don't even want to hear athletes talk like they don't want them to do anything other than be athletes because we want to see that exceptional physical capability um i mean it, you get kind of the the backwards thinkers that are always just like if they start having an opinion they're like hey just go back to playing sports or something like that like do what we love you doing right um and i don't agree with that but like um I, nowadays i i really think as a spectator you just you, you look past all that because you're like that person pro probably has an amazing backstory, especially if it's just someone that you don't usually see. The one argument that I would make, like if you think about Jeremy Lin, he took a lot, he took a lot of pain in the NBA um, because a lot of people think it was because of his Asian descent that he just got like a lot of missed calls from refs where he should have just been like called uh, like not for, causing fouls but for just like getting like elbows to the face and they just never called it on him and there was a lot of a lot of weight against him um but as, as a spectator you know like people were going crazy like lynn sanity or um I, I think that's definitely much more of a recent thing because i always think back to when i was watching that movie 42 about jackie robinson how uh when he walked out at one point there was like a little kid in the stands um who was like going probably going to like one of his first baseball games and when jackie robinson walks out everyone like a lot of people in the crowd because it's in the deep south a lot of people in the crowd are like yelling the n-word at him and then the kid looks really conflicted and then he just starts yelling like he's like a seven-year-old kid and he starts yelling the exact same things just because everyone around him is so he that's kind of like the influence that he's like and his father is doing all the racist stuff so if if you're like that's one thing I think is really good about today, just being connected to where like the things that you want to see and having more access because you're not really gonna get influenced by someone next to you as much as you uh would in the past in a situation like this, because you're just like you're looking at an athlete and they're extremely exceptional in what they're doing. Like Katie Ledecky, um on like in swimming just like fifth like pretty much like cap off goggles off waiting for everyone else to finish just on another level and everyone just loves just like it, it's it's like it's no competition so it might get kind of boring but just being able to witness the excellence of something like like that is i mean me personally something i really enjoy and I don't have a problem with hearing other takes from athletes on their like political views or anything but just being able to see someone at the top of their game because humans are athletically superior to every other generation now. So like when you see another record, like destroyed in a lot of cases, I take that as such an honor to be able to be like, I saw this next level of performance from someone. And that's why I love sports. Cause I'm just like, I want to see the best of the best. And I'm kind of spoiled because I grew up with Tom Brady being my quarterback. Um, 
but I think that definitely shaped it. I was just like, I want to see excellence all the time. And Brady being able to say, like, I think I have all the answers to the test when he's playing football. It's just like, yeah, you're so, I mean, he's not the best physically, especially at this age now, but mentally it's like he can see things 20 steps ahead of where he's at. And that's just something fascinating to watch. I honestly wish I could have been able to watch Michael Jordan play much more and like been that age because missing something like that is it's, it's, it's painful to think about, but at least being able to see Tom Brady and admittedly as well, LeBron James, even though I'm not a big fan of LeBron James, but um, you know, you can appreciate the talent even if you don't appreciate the person. Yeah. You know, I, with the exception of Kyrie Irving, fuck Kyrie. That guy's a weirdo. Um, I, uh, I have a solid policy of, I don't, I don't boo people who I consider legends in the sport. I once saw Randy Johnson pitching for the New York Yankees and he gave up back to back to back home runs, uh, and came out of the game in the second inning down five to nothing. And everyone in the stands was booing. And I found that to be incredibly disgraceful, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I just, I don't, I don't understand that. You want to you want to boo like some some up and coming guy who doesn't deliver like don't boo legends mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. Be great for yeah. you to see those people. You know, I saw I saw Gretzky play, I saw Jordan play. You know, I watched the Yankees dynasties unfold in the late nineties. Like I've seen great things, and you got to be able to respect those things. I, I, let me give you a perfect example, Robbie. August 4th, 1985, it was at Yankee Stadium. Tom Seaver was pitching for the Chicago White Sox. And uh, the Yankees came up in the bottom of the ninth, and we were all standing on our feet, but we weren't cheering for the Yankees. Tom Seaver came into that game with 299 career wins. It was 4-1 uh, to yeah. one in the ninth inning, and we really wanted to see Nolan. Uh, we wanted to see Tom Seaver's 300th win, and I still have to take it. Uh, in plastic, uh, he did it, and we were on our feet again, standing ovation when the game ended. My mother was pissed. My mother was like, "This sucks," and I was like, "Mom, I'm like, it's... I think at that time he was the 14th guy in Major League history. If I if I remember the back of the baseball card, number 14 all time to hit 300. Yep. I'm like. Mom, and I, I took my mom's ticket stub right away, and I immediately encased it in the plastic. And I was like, "That just saw one of the rarest things in sports happen." Mm-hmm. It also happened to be Phil Rizzuto Day at Yankee Stadium, so we got a real, real treat. There was a cow on the field earlier in the day. A holy cow! A holy cow! Yeah. Yeah, but again, my mom had no idea, nor could she. Followed closely in interest to, by the third, the three hundredth win. Yeah, to my mom, it was more about the Phil Rizzuto day. For me, it was like I just saw a ten. I was like, I just saw one of the greatest things I'll ever see in my life. Yep. It's kind of like I still, remember- I st- dude. I could still remember Don Baylor fl- flew out to Steve Kemp in the in the in the ninth inning. The game ended. That's how it ended. I'll never forget that. I mean, I wasn't at the game, but I feel like I have a similar take on when I was watching the Patriots come back against the the, the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl, because that that 2019 team was just my favorite team of all time. I don't know why I just had such a close connection to it. I thought Malcolm Mitchell was going to end up being a, an amazing wide receiver, but durability took him out early. But um, I remember being at my 
parents' house with my entire family there. We almost always watch the Super Bowls together. And the we're getting it's getting on in the third quarter. And I'm just like, you know what? I kind of want to just drive back to my school, my apartment, because I was in college at the time. And I left just as the Patriots scored their first touchdown, like three minutes left in the third quarter. And I'm in my car in my driveway and I'm looking into the inside my house and my parents are like celebrating and everything. And I've, I've got the, uh, the sports hub radio on it and they're doing the, the call for the game and they score the touchdown. And I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I just wait it out a little bit more go back inside. And then they're like, and they missed the field goal. And I'm just like, fuck this. And I, I'm, I immediately hit the road. I'm just like, nope. It's like they they couldn't even get seven. Nope, game's over. And I get the moment I get back to school, there's about a thirty minutes in between me leaving and me getting back to school. And I'm walking into my place and I hear cheering from a bunch of different buildings. So I'm like, okay, maybe they got another few points. My friend, I walk in, my friend's passed out because he got so drunk, but he was so uh, disappointed with the game that he just came back and almost passed out on the couch. And I'm just watching, sitting on the chair next to him. And things start to turn around and I'm like, okay, they need, they really need to get a turnover. And then uh, Dante Hightower ends up stripping Matt Ryan really close. And it's like, okay, there's the turnover that we need. We score on that. And then it's like, okay, they can end the game here if they just get in field goal range and they're in field goal range. Then the Patriots and a penalty pushes them out of field goal range. And I like lean over to my buddy who's passed out and I start shaking. I'm like, Cody, Cody, something's happening. Cody, I don't know what's going on, but you should be awake for this. So um, uh, he gets up and we just both watch the impossible happen. And I knew they were going to win as soon as they won the coin toss when over overtime happened. I was like, you cannot stop that much momentum yeah. if you win the coin toss and getting to see Arthur blank, who I think is a really nice owner on the sideline, just like with his wife. And he's like, he had a smile on. And it, it, another thing people should know is he usually does that for a lot of games. So it's not like he just came down thinking they were going to win at halftime. He does that a lot. Um, so it wasn't just like something out of the out of the ordinary. But we watched and just like they end up winning it and we're just like jumping up and down and hugging, like almost crying. Just like he's wobblier than I am because he's just been so drunk. And then there's a riot outside and they had to call the, the riot uh, vans to like calm all the college students down because everyone's just going crazy that like i i that the only thing that's more vivid than that game is unfortunately the super bowl loss in the 2007 year um that one that one was tough but uh we we don't need to talk about that we could do a whole show on that i'll tell you a funny thought on that on that falcons patriots game my wife hates football and at 28 to 3 she was like do we have to keep watching this and i was rooting for the falcons because I hate Tom Brady. What do you and your Hold wife on. bond over? Hold <laughs> she on. hates everything you do. Just her stuff. We just like her stuff. <laughs> so we put a movie on. We start watching the movie. And I got my phone on. Right? It's 28-3. And I'm thinking nothing of it. I don't care if I don't see the game. Yep. It's like 28-10, 28-18 or whatever. And the, the score was kind of weird. And I'm like... Every time I looked out at my phone, I'm like, are you kidding me with this? Like, I I'm, I think I'm missing a really good game. And then um, the Patriots got the ball back, you know, chance to tie it. And I, I said to my wife, I'm like, dude, I'm really sorry. And I don't care about this game at all. But Patriots look like they're about to tie the game. We turn the game back on. And uh, Robbie, I rooted for Tom the whole rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Um. 
again, watched the first half thinking, like, go Falcons, yeah. And then I turned that game on, and I'm like, come on, Tommy, finish it off, dude. Um, You're like yeah, Madden I, in 2001. It's like, I really like what this Brady kid's doing here. I've become a fan of Tom Brady's late in his career. You know, um, I hate the Seattle uh, Seahawks. Mm-hmm. I was definitely rooting for the Pats in that Super Bowl. I didn't have a problem with the Seahawks, honestly, at that time. I, I actually I've always how they were doing it. Always hated the Seahawks. That was the biggest loser franchise when I was a kid. And I just I can't get over them not being losers. So that bugged me with that good defense and whatever. But yeah, That's I was real about the Bills. That was the first game where I rooted for Tom Brady all four quarters. And I mm. gotta tell you, I understand why why you'd want to be a Patriots fan. Yeah, that was an incredible game as well. Um, that was just, I mean, and I've actually just re I've rewatched them every like probably it's every free few months now, but it used to be like every couple of weeks. I'm like, you know, I don't have anything going on tonight. There's a new movie, but I could really watch the Pats against the Seahawks again. What an interesting show this turned out to be where we share like our deepest, most intimate moments of life. Yeah, it's did you uh, know that was going to happen? I didn't. No, it's it's, it's wonderful how it worked notes. out that way. Yeah, that's not in the show notes. We didn't even talk about what country would be the best if somebody seceded from the nation yet. Oh my God, that's right. Remember that homework assignment? I do. I, I do remember it. I was like bounced around so many different areas trying to figure out what like aspect or what uh, kind of category to make a decision on what would be the most important. I was like, probably energy. Oh, but infrastructure is important too. What about healthcare? Who's got the most like best economic situation. And I don't know, like California is pretty huge, but they have, but then they were, they were also ranked pretty low on their water availability. I started looking at like apocalypse situation. Like, do they have water or what's, what's stuff like that? Um, I still think New Ham at New England is pretty good. They're uh, they're up there. New Hampshire, I was surprised to find, has some of the best internet or like infrastructure in the entire is nation. That right? Yeah, and I it must just be the case that I'm living nowhere near any of it. But that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But apparently Nevada has the best like energy and internet infrastructure in the entire country. And they were just like, yeah, you know, because we made solar plants. I'm like, oh yeah, there's a lot of sun out there. Yeah, I you know I really feel like Alaska. On like has, I forgot about it. That's where I'm going as well, though. Yeah. Oh, good. All right. I mean, Alaska to me has got the resources with the oil, um, and the money, and the land size, the land mass. They're about half even, the size of the country of the of even the, yeah, yeah even geographically where it's located. Uh, yeah. If the it, if the planet it, keeps getting hot, it's going to be nice in Alaska. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be prime real estate up there. Yeah, I think Alaska could totally do it on its own. I think Texas, um, could do it. Could could go it alone. Um, Texas was, I think, number two in like economic opportunity, which is what I assumed because like very low restrictions and stuff. I think Texas is going to run into a lot of societal problems in the next decade. And mm-hmm. I think they would find themselves in the in a weird spot where if they seceded from America, they would have an, a, an enemy in Mexico on one side and, a, and an enemy in America on the other side. I don't know. Geographically, Mexico very well may just decide if Texas seceded from the Union to come get them back. 
Remember mm-hmm. the Alamo. Um, California's obviously got the size and the economy to do it. Um, you know what would be a dynamite opportunity to try and attack Texas? Uh, also, for all the federal agents listening, this is all hypothetical. We're, we're just uh, we're just talking. Um, but just wait until the summertime to attack. So they have to put all their resources into stuff during the summer. And then the government is going to have to be like, Hey, do we ask the citizens to use less power, like turn off their air conditioning in the middle of the summer? Uh, it's getting hot in here. (laughs) Also, I need to boil the water that we're trying to drink as well. (laughs) That I like that they get boil notices, which I had no idea was a thing until recently. So, I mean, like Texas has a lot of Texas is one of the happiest states in the nation, but you know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. So I'm always kind of open to the opportunity that that's kind of tied into that level of happiness, but who knows? Um, I think New Hampshire is extremely happy and they're like ranked in the like twenties or thirties or something. So. Mm. I'm yeah, sure Long I, I was... Island would like to break off from the rest of the 50. <laughs> Could you imagine that on ABC news tonight? Long Island secedes. Yeah. We're out. Just leave us alone out here. We're not bothering anybody. We go live to Long Island now. Everyone's just like, yeah, we didn't really plan past this here. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we got a we got a to do list. I mean, you know, they'd have to really rely on the fishing industry, I assume, for yeah. food. But in, in those pristine waters. Yeah. Yeah. I, but yeah, maybe whaling, bring whaling back to Long Island. Yeah. Well, I was also thinking like New uh, Alaska has a lot of coastline and oil. Alaska's got a lot of stuff. Alaska is just like if America, if the main country America gets destroyed, the like the government bought Alaska as like a backup. They're just going to be like the V two version. It's oh like God. our second America is currently in storage up north. Yeah. Oh my God! Imagine, dude, pack up your bags, everybody, just get over to Alaska. That should be a conspiracy theory. Like America was so powerful at one point that they bought a backup country. Did you see Vladimir Putin is thinking about taking Alaska back? Dude. Well, it can't be that hard because he can see Sarah Palin from his house. Yeah. I mean, the only problem with that is, is we paid for it. We actually purchased it. Yeah. Cash. Yeah. So it's ours. On a he's great like, discount, too. Thanks, Amazon. Yeah. He's like, we're going to take it back. And it's like, well, we got a receipt, though, for this. This actually wasn't, it wasn't like the rest of America where we took it by force. This was purchased. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> we actually kept the receipt. Yeah. We actually do have the receipt for that purchase. Like, no kidding. Can you could you imagine on that receipt there's just a section where it says tip and it's just got like a line through it? Yeah. <laughs> oh good. Try, Lord. Trying to yeah. tip on Alaska after tax. I had but, thought a lot about uh, Michigan because of their all that water. Mm-hmm. But ultimately I've decided that uh I came across a, a map that talked about the level in each area where you start to come across brackish water, which is like a mixture of kind of salty and fresh water. Um, and where'd that map go? 
Um, the also the areas that use the least water are uh, New England and Washington. Washington was on a lot of lists as like the best state, but Texas and California use the most water. Not really surprisingly, but um, New York as well. But the brackish water one was actually kind of cool. I just can't find it right now. But like, it is pretty amazing how a lot of the time in different areas, like the same states keep coming up. Um, California, obviously, because I mean, they're so big, they're just going to overwhelm a lot of the lists. But um, I, there were some just like like Nevada being an energy powerhouse and other ones that I was at the my main thinking component was like if climate change does have a drastic take on things or a drastic toll on stuff who's that going to hit first and i was just thinking the south so a lot of those states were kind of counted out but like dude honestly i would believe that alaska is like our backup plan like they've mapped out different areas to be like all right this is this is alaska's new england this is new new england everything is just new i like that that's not so bad no, they still got they still got grizzly bears. They got my favorite grizzlies, the Kodiak bears. Imagine if we all had to move there, though. Those bears would not last long. Yeah, imagine this country and every one of us are considered migrants from the south going up oh to the north. God, yeah, migrant workers. Oh, we'd be so self-loathing at that point, wouldn't we? <laughs> All the Canadian papers would just read irony. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. And so many people wouldn't get it. Mm -mm. it would Everyone's be just like, what do you mean? I'm I'm not too irony. I'm <laughs> iron deficient. <laughs> yeah, right. But honestly, oh. now thinking about it, Alaska was probably a damn good purchase. Yeah. Way yeah, better than Utah. Ugh. I'm just kidding. Utah's cool. Yeah. Maybe. Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. Oh, I actually think I saw like a giant bus full of Mormons today, but I couldn't tell if they were Mormon or Amish. But uh, it was like 45 just women um, taking a tour and they just got out at a beach or not a beach at like a uh, at a park next to a lake. And there's a giant tour bus and like 45 women in bonnets and stuff um, just stopping for lunch. And I was like, oh, interesting. Wow. But yeah, the only Good time I'd them. seen that that many women looking like that was when I was in uh, Salt Lake City. And my God, it seems like the Mormon people just bring the most beautiful Mormon girls to the tabernacle just to advertise things as best as they can. Because they want to walk over and be like, I want to marry like five or six of you. Yeah, I was just like walking slowly by and they'd like give me the nice smile and be like, hello, how are you today? And I'm just like, I'm feeling right at home, ma'am. It's it was honestly like at first I was like, are they just all that beautiful here? And then I actually kind of looked it up and there are kind of conspiracies that they just bring beautiful people to that central hub for Mormonism. And it's like a big marketing ploy. Oh, they don't all look like this. Gotcha. No, they don't all look like we're just this is just window it's shopping. Catalog. Yeah, it's yeah. the catalog. God, just it. wait till you get into the store. We still have last year's models around. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I hope I'm not offending anyone, anyone in the Mormon community listening to following flames. I don't see us being big. The number one Mormon podcast online. Yeah, I'd imagine. Imagine. 
Honestly, how long, if we set that as a goal to be the number one Mormon community podcast, how long do you think it would take for us to accomplish it? Well, we'd have to start by deleting this episode. Uh, but yeah, no time fast. No, no, no. Just where we're at right now. We got to dig. We got to climb out of the holes that we've dug ourselves into. Oh, that's going to be a problem. We'll, we'll, we'll have to dig out like, like the, uh, like the Mormon Bible and we're Joseph Smith digging it out of the ground. You're losing me with your hip young lingo there. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that religion sometime and how Mormonism. Yo, goodness. Do you know the history of that religion? Um, I, I know that there should be a South park episode about there's a salamander in it. In the in the actual oh, religion? holy salamander, yes. Okay, well, I'm right. sold. We're doing a whole episode on Mormonism. All right. Well, um, on that note, yeah, we'll wrap up there. And um, to everyone listening, join us next week for the Mormon podcast. Uh, following Mormons, um, <laughs> following Mormons with live footage of us following Mormons. We're gonna be charging at him for interviews. But uh, yeah, so uh, if you liked what you're listening to, uh, we appreciate it. We'd love to have a little engagement. If you could give us a like or subscribe or uh, just share with a friend, uh, anyone that wants a new podcast to listen to if they're not overwhelmed by the millions that are out there. But, you know, we like this one. We uh, I, I love talking to Joe and uh, we love everyone out there listening to us. We greatly appreciate it since we're a new podcast and getting going. Um, but before we head out, Joe, uh, anything you want to? You want to say uh, or you want to just leave it for the for the break and build up the suspense for the Mormonism? I'm really excited to talk about religion. Should we just I'm do Mormonism or should should you bring the Mormon on all of them? OK, get on a few of them. I'm going to look up the more obscure. Oh, no, I'm going to do uh, the Pastafarian because Ooh. my the a wedding I went to last year the uh i don't know i don't know if it's considered a minister um but it was a legal marriage because she's a a pastafarian that's dope yeah it was pretty cool it was like the most legit thing ever like freedom of religion went to went that far i love that but uh yeah we'll talk about and talk a little bit more about that later uh next week on following flames it's been great uh we appreciate it joe appreciate your time love talking to you and we love you guys everybody have a fantastic day Thank you.